Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic, and miracles within. If you're a spiritual professional and have been building your skills and knowledge for years and feel ready to share this wisdom with the world, then the Afterlight Institute wants to work with you. If you want to create your very own online course without having to worry and stress about the technology and the marketing, then you are strongly urged to apply. All the details can be found at theafterlightinstitute.com. Lauren Grace here and welcome to the show. I'm joined today by Jax. She is a rebel in the industry of entrepreneurship. Yes, she's known for her unorthodox methods as a light worker, a facilitator, a facilitator, and online influencer. Some refer to her as a channeler, a mom, an alien, but she likens herself to being a very ordinary person with a very extraordinary belief system. After founding Awaking Your Life Force Ceremonies and Retreats, a year ago. This rebel and voice for creative misfits has gathered a global team who have impacted thousands in ways that no one could expect. She's deeply passionate about nature, spirit, innovation, light language, and every person remembering the truth of their ultimate wisdom so we can serve as ancestors of this time. Jax is joining me today to talk about channeling, light language, and living a human life as an alien. Jax, thank you so much for being mm-hmm. on the show. <laughs> thank you. I just love your delivery of that. I just want that piece. I just want that piece to literally be my podcast piece every morning. <laughs> That's just like my affirmation piece, listening it, listening to that through you. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Isn't it funny when people read thank your you. bio back to you, it kind of resonates in a different way where you're sort of like, I did yeah. do all that. I have done all this. Yeah. This is who I identify totally. With. I love it. Uh, thank you so much. I'm really grateful to be here with you. I'm really excited as well for this conversation that we get to have. Yeah, yeah me too. I think <laughs> I'm going to learn a lot from you. So first of all, tell me a little bit about where your spiritual journey began. Have you always been spiritual? Did you grow up in an environment that really sort of encouraged that? Where did it start? Oh, thank you for asking. I love this question because I feel like my story can really resonate with a lot of people. And no, definitely not spiritual at all. <laughs> I grew up in the small country town in North Queensland. And my dad is, my stepdad, well, he's my dad, uh, is, uh, was, in, was in coal mining. He's passed away now. And so for, I would say, at least 30 years of my life, spirituality was definitely the, the furthest away from my reality. I was really in, in all of the matrix, so to speak. I, I, I wasn't a fan of nature. I wasn't a fan of spirituality. I wasn't an meditation was something that I just rolled my eyes at I was like oh god here we go so I definitely was in the in the life of partying and shopping and retail therapy and and seeking outside of myself and I think uh, the most glorious journey that I've had is actually those 30 years of of experiencing the fullness of seeking outside of myself Mm -hmm. uh, because when when my world actually crumbled in my early 30s and this started when my dad actually passed away and my best friend passed away and my uncle passed away in the space of six months oh my reality was not there was nothing outside of me that could help me and that that was such a I could say a very traumatic time but also the beginning of who I truly am and in essence I knew in the inside, like I knew deep down that I, I must be here for something more. I guess we all do to some degree. And I actually believe everyone is. I really believe there's so much potentiality in us and it's a, it's a feeling, it's a sense within us. And I've had that leading me all my life, but that led me to be really great at hospitality or really great uh, friend or really great you know, person, but nothing beyond that. And so my spiritual journey actually started when I was, I'm going to say 33. I think that's when my father passed away. And it was through desperation of wanting to connect with him on the other side, desperate, 
You know, what's fabulous about that too, is that the number three is a lot about strength. And so when you have a 33, it's like that even more enhanced. So it seems like it was an appropriate time to get started. If we wanted to look at it just from a number point of view, by the sounds yeah. of it, well, you know, you're sharing your story. It sounds to me and correct me if I'm wrong, will you, that, that you almost lacked the depth that you have now pretend potentially that you were looking outside, keeping up with the Joneses, going through the motions. Mm. And then when you suffered this loss, potential um, awakening for you to realize that, you know, our human form does eventually go back to the earth. You know, it sounds to me like there was a deepening of soul amongst that pain. Is that how you would sort of look at it as well? A trillion percent. Mm. A trillion percent. I, as much as it was hurtful, traumatic time, it was also the time that I truly met myself and and my potential over a over a course of a period but in those moments when it feels like you have nothing the one thing that we do have is god and is faith and is hope and it's it's what really kept pulling me and calling me higher into into actually i could say uh spiritual independence in a way because I was like you say I was actually emotionally bankrupt I was emotionally bankrupt I was exhausted I was doing all the things I have two children I was married restaurant all the things and I had no foundations mm -hmm. so how did you develop that like did you you know I, I guess I'm trying to kind of paint the picture six months you know um well, right before that, you're living your life, you're just doing your thing. Maybe you don't even realize that there isn't depth, you know, in the same way that you would know now, uh, you know, probably didn't think there was any problem, nothing wrong. All of a sudden, you know, these losses happen and you have this rude awakening about life and death. Uh, do you start to reach out to people and ask for help? Did you pick up a book that was instrumental? Did you decide to start to meditate? Did you you know, how did that sort of begin this awakening from that, that dark place and, and that place of trauma and, and grief? Mm, I love that question. Thank you. So it was incrementally the first, the first decision that I made, which was really, really clear around meditation was a Google search. How can I connect with spirit? And meditation was the answer. And I thought, well, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to give it a good crack. And the first time that I meditated was profound. Like I couldn't, I can't even deal with how profound it was because I was visited by orbs actually in, in my vision. It was orbs and they were actually speaking to me. And I just couldn't believe it. I felt like I was watching a show, to be honest. And that was like my first taste. My first taste, but not every taste, because, you know, I tried and tried and tried. I kept trying to connect with that again. And I was like, only very rarely I would connect with spirit in those moments. But that was a catalyst as an introduction. Yeah. But the beauty in this kind of journey is that none of this can truly flourish when there's poison in your garden. Yeah. So I had to go through a journey of all of the poison that I thought was actually good for me at the time, mm -hmm. which was, for example, my crutch when I'm going through any sort of emotional turmoil is alcohol, mm -hmm. is, is partying, is boys. Yeah, I separated from my ex-husband as well. And so I went through, it was like I was a teenager again. Mm -hmm. And so I went through at least two years of realizing my crutches weren't helping I was drinking, I had a business and I lost it all. I actually had to face off with the most scariest experiences of having it all to then losing it all and, and then seeing it from the perspective of all of it being me that created it. That was like the hardest confronting thing to have actually realized. And wow. that's when it started because like when it really started and I was by myself and I had pushed all my friends away. And I did have help from random people that I hardly knew. Thank you, God. Mm. And also it's the most humbling experience when you realize, when I realized it was all me. Yeah. And so from there it was, 
how how do I do it? I Googled it, babe. I Googled it and then it <laughs> led me to Abraham Hicks. Mm. It led me to the universal laws. And I had nothing else going for me. I was too scared to go get a job because I had I was sitting in like shame is a huge thing for me in my lineage. Mm. Shame. That feeling of shame is 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 crippling. So I sat in shame for quite some time because of my actions and how what I chose. So I didn't get a job. I just stayed at home and I wallowed. And every day waking up, it's like you do have a choice every day. Mm-hmm. You do. And so I chose to just keep looking. And then I led, it led me to Abraham. It led me to the universal laws. It led me to Wayne Dyer. It led me to uh, just Dyer. these beautiful, beautiful like teachings that just I didn't understand fully intellectually, but in my heart, I was like, oh, wow, this actually feels really good because little by little I was taking my power back. And that's what it felt like. I was just took a journey where I'd lost my power, but then realized that I never really had my power. And then I started to take my power back little by little. Amazing. It sounds to me though, that, you know, you were patient with yourself at the same time. Maybe there was a certain kindness that was there because, you know, even if you're sitting in shame, the fact that you had the awareness to recognize your own role and your own responsibility within the decisions that you had made and and the follow-up that you were experiencing, you still had this resilience and this inner wisdom that seems to have been able to kind of guide you out of the dark night of the soul and move you along. And I love how you mentioned that you were taking slow steps because I do think that that's key. And I know I'm a person who likes to run before they walk and slowing down and, and taking my time has been something that I, I need to continue to work on and remind myself about. So, you know, do you think that the journey and taking those small steps and showing up for yourself just in those, in those small little ways really made all the difference? Yeah, totally. The, the, the wisdom that actually I felt I would, I wouldn't, I would love to call it wisdom, it was more desperation. I have, I have two children and I couldn't, I just couldn't imagine not, I couldn't imagine the next 10 years looking like it was. I couldn't. And I knew that no one else was going to do it for me. And they couldn't do it for me. Yeah. And so it was in fact desperation because I didn't want their memory to be of me not trying and that was the biggest thing. My children saved me. Their, you know, their life here saved me in so many ways. There's so many times I wanted to take my own life. But the only thing that stopped me was my children and, and the thought of their life. So, you know, that was a huge, huge piece to, to be, be pulled by the desire to, to not remain where I am. And I didn't know where I was going. I still don't know where I was going. But the, the baby steps was... I think what I realized the most is that in every decision, every binary choice that I had, there was always a choice that affected how I felt in the moment, not how I felt later. It was more of a, because I think that's what I was chasing in life was like the later, the later, like later, the future, the future, the next moment, the next, I'm going to do this for the next moment. And what I realized was that I was so empty in those moments by trying to fulfill the next moment, which therefore meant I was going to be empty in the next moment anyways. I wasn't actually going to feel fulfillment. So for me, it was actually winding it all back down to simplification of like, how can I really enjoy this moment now and trust the next moment? It's just Mm -hmm. really resetting a template of trust. Like, how can I trust that if I feel good now, the next moment is going to be great because of just I get to enjoy now and so mm-hmm. having lost and I mean I lost a lot of a lot of money hundreds of thousands of dollars and in debt hundreds of thousands of dollars so that was mm-hmm. a really that was a real humbling place to start this awakening yeah. and and one of the things that and I feel like it's important to share because it is it's a chronic problem here in in society for, for first world society and all the society chronic 
is the fear, the fears that have been laid upon us around money. And the, the reason I wanted to take my life was actually because of money. And I thought it, when I was in the moment of like, I could easily just jump off my balcony right now. And I thought of my children, but the one thing that actually the most absurdest thought that came to me was like, I actually want to take my life because of money. This is absurd. And then I realized how chronic that is in society. And so for me, I was like, how can I reestablish a new relationship with myself, with money? And so learning how to experience opulence in in a life without money was probably like one of the best things I could have done for myself you know, and, and not in the sense of rejecting money, but in the sense of actually how can I experience myself and remember the value of who I am as, as a single life, as a life, as a human, as mm. a blessing, as a gift, as a miracle. How can I remember that I am a miracle with or without or with or without? It doesn't matter. It just doesn't change. And so that in itself has been my biggest driving driving force in the last few years of every moment how can I remember the miracle that I am now Mm. right now right now so Mm. how do you do that though I mean I do want to talk to you in a minute a bit more about present awareness because for me in my spiritual journey that's been the most important thing I think out of anything I've ever learned ever is to be in here in the moment now but I do want to talk to you about that concept of of money, because I do agree with you. Everything seems to be tied up within that. I mean, when you have money, you have privilege, you have opportunity, you have all of these things that do come with that. When you're riddled with debt, you have that sort of stress, that backpack on your back that just sinks you into the ground. And I guess I'm wondering, how were you able to overcome your mindset when you were hundreds of thousand dollars in debt, do you have some suggestions for our listener at home in case they might be going through something similar? Because we do live in a society where money is a real thing. We really do use it as an exchange of energy as an exchange for goods, you know? So how do you kind of, how did you overcome that? Have you overcome it? Yeah. So one of the, one of the things that I started practicing back then was making peace with all outcomes because essentially I was like hang on what because it is like you go okay so there's hundreds of thousand dollars worth of debt right there what does that mean for me like what is that what is the worst outcome that can actually happen well I kind of lost everything anyways and and there was that I, I I think like one of a really great tool is to make peace with all outcomes and know that we're never ever ever actually ever going to be destitute like when you can when you can really realize how, even if you do lose your home, you, you've got friends to stay with. There's always an opportunity to start again. There's always yeah. an opportunity to start again. And you can't get blood out of a stone. I realized that. I was just like, hang on for a sec. I, I, I'm, I'm in essence, I'm not a bad person. In essence, I made stupid mistakes, but I'm a, such a great person right? And I had to keep reminding myself of my truth, of my truth, not the truth that money, like if I have money in the bank, what does that make me? And if I don't have money in the bank, what does that make me? I actually had to have these raw conversations with myself and and actually see the absurdness around it. Mm -hmm. And so in the moments where I was like, you know, and I I journeyed years of like, I, I finally built myself back up, which is amazing. But I have a foundation now that I didn't have before. My, I don't have this attachment around identity with money, which I'm really, really grateful for. But when I was moving through that, I had to keep reminding myself in every moment, whenever I felt, I felt unworthy or I felt like I failed, I didn't, I, I didn't make that okay anymore. Because that was a self-judgment, failure, shame and unworthiness were were patterns that in my whole body it was like it was poison it it became poison and then I stopped accepting that and I started to look at whenever I felt shame if I had less money or I was in the red I I looked at my reality and go hang on for a sec I'm actually doing pretty good like I didn't have to build this house I, I would touch the walls and be like oh I'm so grateful for this and I still had food in the fridge yeah it's not a full fridge but I had food in the fridge 
ah, I'm actually doing pretty good and I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. And I just had to remind myself because no one's going to remind us. If we don't actually take the moments and if we let that, that societal story run our lives, we're giving our power away. So I had to take my power back in every instance. And so what I couldn't go for a coffee or so what I couldn't go out for dinner. Did that make, did that like society says, if you go out to a restaurant with your friends, you have to be eating together. If I couldn't afford it and I wanted to be with my friends, what, what was I making that story about? Like I could just hang out with my friends and eat at home. Like I just had to recreate my reality time and time and time again to make it okay to exist Yeah. It sounds like your secret weapon in a way was gratitude and appreciating what you had. And then you would know from, you know, Abraham Hicks's work that, you know, when you're focusing on the things that are positive, then you're going to, you know, lift up your energy and, you know, get yourself attracting more of that. I am wondering, Mm -hmm. you did mention there that you had these real conversations with yourself about this stuff. So I was just wondering, when you're working stuff out, do you journal? Do you talk out loud? Do you meditate? How do you kind of have this narrative with yourself to get that clarity? Well, I definitely talk out loud. I love talking to myself. That's a helpful <laughs> um, way I talk of doing out loud, it. But totally. I sit, I sit with it. Like that's something that's really important with me because I believe our body is a compass and my body will always tell the truth. If I'm uncomfortable, the compass will tell me. And so I actually, um, I, I connect with my body and I feel the like, uh, you know, that, that shame and judgment and, and unworthiness, the failure piece, it actually sits in my heart space and it feels heavy. Mm-hmm. And so I actually have a conversation in my head to manage that feeling. So I manage myself in the moments by actually feeling into it and reminding myself. And so if it's a matter of remembering how beautiful my daughter's smile is or how much I absolutely adore her putting her arms around me and going, I love you, mommy, and kissing me on the cheek. And if I had to repeat that thought over and over and over again until that heaviness is gone, I'm good. And if it took time, it took time, but it took dedication in the practice, in the practice of like, yeah, I feel like shit right now. Mm-hmm. but what is the what is a really neutral thought or what's a really joyful thought that has nothing to do with money it doesn't even have to do anything to do with money it was just I had to repeat because I was I was clearly the feeling was coming from repeating a thought over and over and again you're a failure you're a failure, you're a failure. Yeah. Oh my god you're stuffed up again you're stuffed up again so what did I get to do in the moment was actually think a different thought really over and over and over again and I and I would look at like different areas of my life that brings me so much joy I think of smiles I think of how welcome I am in in different circles or I just I think of my partner just anything that was going to actually help me in that moment switch and so the years have become so and then there, there there is a time where it doesn't exist anymore literally it just doesn't exist anymore there is no there is no sense of worry that is that actually is existing in my field because I'm so like, I, I have so much evidence, new evidence now. And that's what the whole journey has been is creating new evidence based on the new thoughts that I kept choosing. Mm-hmm. And so all of my evidence is like, I'm only getting started and, and everything always works out for me. And that's mm-hmm. the evidence that I have because I chose it for the years, for years. Yeah, I love what you're saying because you know, what you're talking about is exactly what I practice as well. And it takes, it takes patience and it takes practice and it takes being kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. And even though I have moments or days where I'm still spiraling, I'm like, what I'm, you know, I know better uh, when you can take yourself out of that, that's just your point of power. So how do you sort of become the observer of your thoughts, not be the thoughts. And how do you come back to the present moment? Do you, you sort of mentioned that worry is not really a thing for you anymore. So is that pretty much consistent? Do you not have to deal with that? Or do you still? Totally. I've, I've fully embraced that I'm, I'm here and I love problem solving. So I just see everything like, yes, let's go. Let's go. I've fully gamified it because I've just done that. But one of the things I feel like is really actually important is to to know that, um, you know, I've practiced the, the, like the mindset shift for so, for so long, but what's really important is the actual, the feeling in our body. It, it sometimes needs to actually be moved 
So that deep worry that's really hard to shift, it actually is, is a deep emotion that needs to be released. So it's one of those things is like over the years, I've also learned how important somatic work is too, which is that acknowledging the emotion there because that's that dense, that dense feeling is actually in ourselves. Like that's in our DNA, you know, that's this repetitive belief system that keeps going, it's impacted our body. And so, you know, with the work that we do as well with Awaken, it's actually bringing these emotions through and even sitting in worry and actually going deeper into it and going deeper into sorrow and then allowing it just to come out, it, it actually helps with, with being able to then shift perspective because it's a, it's a whole new experience in itself rather than suppressing it right. and changing it and going, oh, no, I can't feel that. I can't feel that. It's just like, what if you could actually put some sad songs on and actually feel it as much as possible because nature is a cycle, right? So it's a cycle that needs to be moved through. So what if you could actually sit in the sorrow, in the judgment, and I hate you, I hate you, and then let the rage come out and let it come out and knowing that's what you're doing. And then at the end, when you're like, you got nothing left, you got nothing left. And that's when you go, oh God, I needed that. Like that needed to come out. Right. It's like having a good cry, basically. It's it's releasing because yeah. you're yeah. right. If you just replace the thought every time, you're still storing that somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So you get to replace the thought after. So you work through the emotion and then replace the thought after you've gone through the process of getting that emotion gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. You talked earlier about how shame was something that was really within your lineage. I guess I'm wondering how important yeah. it is to go back and, and to work through stuff within your lineage, because I think that, you know, as we're talking about reclaiming your power and your present moment and, and all these sort of things, you know, when you mentioned the lineage part of it, I would imagine that you were carrying stuff or you were carrying stuff previously that didn't necessarily belong to you. So how important is it in your mind to be able to, to work through that and to be able to encourage our listener at home to maybe do some exploration within that as well? Totally. It's the lineage stuff is the chronic stuff. It's really chronic. And if we don't I could see it playing out. Like I could see how the these real dense parts of myself, like my shadow was clearly linked to behaviours of my own mother. And then I could see, for me, the biggest thing was actually seeing it in my daughter. Right. And so I was like, whoa. And knowing the pain that I've suffered in my life and go, whoa, okay, so I need to do something about this. And so what happens is that if we do carry it across in our, through our DNA and ourselves. We do. That's just nature, right? But we can also abolish it. We can also change it. So by me choosing to change it in this lifetime, although it was already, it was already within me when I had my daughter. So my daughter has the, I could see it playing out all the time. Yeah. But because I've moved through it, I then now am representing another way of being which is another source of influence for her which is important because now when she goes through that I don't see it as acting out or I don't see it as this I can see it from that purity of it being a part of who she is and I get to uh, respond to her differently in a way that's more like you know instead of shaming her because I only knew shame from being shamed right and if I hadn't been aware of this I would have also, without even consciously aware, shaming her because that's all I knew. Like, it, it's like, it's, we go into these like moments of like, just stop that, you know, da, 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 da. When in actual fact, all she needs to be is heard in a different way. And mm -hmm. I know that because of the work that I've done. And so now it's an actual conversation and, and acknowledging it and really honoring her in it. And like, I just see you in, in this right now. And what do you need from me? Like, what's going to help you move through this without, because I don't want to, you to feel shame. I'm actually speaking it to her, but I had to, I had to acknowledge that within me mm. as well and know my own pain. Like even with my partner, it's, it's so interesting because one of the pieces for me is like, I do have a tantruming little girl in me. Like I am, like I have that. And I know girl. So that's all good. And, yeah, feisty and, and, and tantrumy. 
and so one of the pieces for me is clear communication yeah and this is I'm I'm still moving through the the this um trying to uh, alchemize all of the, the, the shame, guilt, trust pieces as a little girl, but that takes time. But for me to acknowledge it and know that I say, and I can say that to my partner, it's like, babe, if we've had a fight or I've acted out or I've tantrum, I say, look, we both know I'm crazy. <laughs> we both know I have a little girl inside of me that needs communication, like the clearest communication. Like, and this is all I'm asking for because this is what I'm moving through. And so we're able to have that conversation and just like, I get to take full ownership of it. It's like, can you just like be really, really clear communication? Like I'm, everything else is great. I just need to know like everything, like the, all the pieces. So I don't make assumptions because I'm really great at making assumptions, mm. right? So for me to actually own that and go, I make really great assumptions and then you're in trouble for it. So how about we prevent that by just having clear communication because I'm still moving through this stuff. And so even yeah. that in itself is, is huge for, for our relationship as well. It sounds to me as though you accept yourself for who you are and where you are. And it's not a journey of perfection. It's a journey of understanding that you are where you are. And for our listener at home, you are where you are and I am where, we, where I am. And that's perfectly fine. And okay. just embracing where we are and, you know, journeying through that. So why don't we flip mm -hmm. the gear a little bit and talk about, you know, what I sort of alluded to off the top, which is a bit about light language. And let's talk a little bit about uh, your identification, if I could say this, as an alien. I guess I'm kind of wondering whether or not you think we are all aliens, considering we're spirits and human bodies. So can you talk to me a bit about that extraordinary belief that you may have? Yes, we're definitely all aliens because we're on a planet. <laughs> we're all aliens to another planet, right? We're on a planet, so we're all aliens and and humans, humanoids, humans. Um, we're all we're all extraterrestrial to another another dimension or another planet. So uh, I feel like for me, the the alien thing was something that just started a couple of years ago when I was actually. I had an experience that just was like rocked my world, completely turned it upside right. And uh, was it actually had, it was a visitation from aliens through a vision that I had while I was driving my car. So it was very oh unexpected gosh. experience. That's, that's when it all started for me. Talk me through this. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I, before that, I wasn't into aliens. Like I was curious, like I'd seen maybe UFO stuff on Netflix or I was curious about it, but it wasn't something that I was obsessed about. I wasn't like, I want to be visitor. I want to look like it was none of that, right? I was, the extent of my spirituality was Abraham Hicks watching it on YouTube and, you know, all of just watching things on YouTube. And um, so one day I was driving my car, it was, it was literally about two years ago now. And I was driving from my old place to my new place. And as I was driving my car, I call it the lightning bolt moment for me where I actually, boom, it was like, it was literally, I was just hit with a vision. So I was still conscious, able to drive, but at the same time, I was hit with this vision and the vision uh, had four interdimensional beings in it. Two of them were from the, from the celestial realms. They were really ancient. Um, they had, they were blue with the, the really tall collars and, really, really ancient, and they were telepathically speaking, and then there was these two ancient earth warriors, you could say, they were like elders, and they were all having a conversation in a, in a virtual, like in a cosmic boardroom, it was like a, a sorry, sorry, boardroom, a courtroom in space, that's what it looked like for me. Now, what was happening was that they were actually conversing to each other, and then there was one man in the middle, and the man was a Zulu warrior, uh, bone through his nose, spear in his hand, and that was actually me. And so they were talking to me, through me, to me in the vision, and also through me in the three-dimensional realm. So this was when I, the light language just started, and it was like a flood. It was like it was like my waters broke in my light language. It just wouldn't stop, and to the point that I was crying and I was drooling, and I just it just wouldn't stop, wouldn't stop. And I was seeing and feeling what they were saying at the same time. So I'm crying because it, they were reminding me of my mission. And I then was wow. also answering back to them, 
that I was like, I am here for my mission and I accept the mission. And the mission was to awaken the, the, the warriors of the world, the light warriors of the world. And I was like, what the heck? In my human mind, I was like, what is going on? I've gone crazy. But also the flood of the experience was just like, yes, yes, yes. It's like I remembered my, my contract. Um, and so this all happened in, in, what, in a single like, 20 minute journey, car journey so you didn't pull over you kept driving no I was just I kept driving because I was oh, right. able I, it was so it was so interesting the way like it was happening I was it was happening and then it was ha- like but it also was kind of self-panicky so I wanted to get to my partner quick quicker because I was like I need to be held and so I got out of the car and I was just shaking and I'd, I was drooling crying and he was like what's happened like <laughs> what is going on I was like I think I'm going crazy and I sat on the curb and I was crying because I was like it was literally like a I I've gone nuts I've done way too many drugs in my life like I've gone nuts yeah. <laughs> and it was just and so I, I, we'd move we're moving house so we did all the move and stuff and I kind of like sat with it that night and then I was like what if this is actually what I've been asking for like this whole time? Like, what if this is the clarity that I've been asking for? And, and so in the same thought, I could have easily rejected it, which I believe a lot of people do. A lot of people reject it, this kind of experience because they we do deem ourselves crazy. Yeah. But in essence, I know that I'm not crazy. I'm very sound of mind. And so yeah. I was like, what if? And so I just thought, I wonder if I can do it again. And so I kind of... It, what I learned in this was actually it was the art of allowing was actually the the biggest piece. So people are like, I want to learn how to do light language. You can't learn. You already know it's actually a language. We all have light language. Like we all have access to that. It's definitely something that gets to be activated. But for me, moving from it being gibberish, which it does for me, it started as gibberish. So for me to to continue to reactivate it was starting gibberish and then allowing the flow. And so that was that was the profound moment and in that moment I actually fully embraced it I was like this is me now like wow. this is me now I'm just I asked I, you know I asked my audience or my my Facebook friends I was just like look this weird things just started happening who wants to experience it and so little by little I started to gather the evidence of what it actually does like what it can do and yeah two years on we've this is what I this is my life this wow. is my life. I'm obsessed. I help a lot of people. Um, we have a team of light workers who are very that their light languages have activated. We act. This is what awaken is. It's all actually a light language experience. This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic, and miracles within. Amazing. I do want to talk to you a little bit more in a minute about light language because I I have a bunch of questions around that, but just quickly, I do want to ask you, you show up at your partner's house, you're drooling and crying. You've been driving for 20 minutes. You've undergone this incredible experience. I'm sure you're kind of, you're not grounded. You're just in this other world. How does he respond when you explain what's happened? Because kind of like you're talking about, most people would look at you and think, girl, you know, what, you're crazy. You know, I need to check you into the hospital. Like this is not normal. So how did he yeah. respond? And when you shared this story with other people, how do they respond? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, initially he, he was fine. He just was like, what do you need? Like, what do you need? He just loves me so much. And he, oh, he just like, what do you need, baby? Are you okay? Like, are you okay? Like, okay, cool. Are you okay? And so that was his response and it's always been his response with me and so when I share this with others I think maybe I don't know I always just get a beautiful embrace of like oh my god tell me more because it's such a curious story where I'm like oh my god that is so cool I wish it was me people like I wish it happened for me you know especially the people that I actually am surrounded by they're like I want that to happen for me um so yeah most people are really quite um are quite curious about it more than anything that's awesome. So let's talk about light language now. So I guess when I'm thinking about light language, my impression of it has always been 
you know, let's say you're in meditation and, you know, for our listener at home, this probably isn't your first time listening to this podcast, or if it is welcome, but you know, we, I have explored the, the conversation of meditation in a lot of different episodes. So I'm just going to proceed thinking that the person at home has some context already. Uh, so I guess I'm yeah. kind of imagining that when you're meditating, you've kind of been able to go and may, maybe a theta state. So you're sort of quiet, your active mind, your egoic mind has been sort of silenced and you're kind of open to receiving impressions, uh, visions, you know, this sort of thing. And so I guess when I was sort of imagining what light language is, I would imagine it in the sense of maybe a chanting, maybe a allowing your body to kind of create sounds um, from you being in that state. And then like you're saying, it's almost a sense of of surrendering it's a sense of releasing and and almost being a conduit or a channel for that so almost speaking in tongues so is that the way that you yeah. would say that light language is that yeah. a fair way of describing it and yeah totally yeah totally I would say I'm I've never really heard about the concept of speaking of tongues but now that I have it definitely sounds exactly the same in the sense of yeah of it being a transmission like the beauty about light languages is is that it is that transmission from body through to throat chakra without it going through your mind because the mind actually slows it down and so it is that it's actually having an ability to communicate sound from your heart chakra because right. the heart chakra is a portal that's connected to everything, right? And so in that space, it's and and only through the evidence that I have over the last two years of what it actually does for people is that it is it's like the it's purity, it's purity and sound, purity and communication. And there's there's infinite ways of communicating through language. But in essence, when somebody somebody is in light language, it is it's like Reiki, but through your throat chakra. It's universal okay. source energy through your throat chakra because okay. it is from that from that heart space you mentioned earlier off the top that Wayne Dyer was someone that you listened to and I will just say that I am I love him so much I'm listening to one of his books right now I just think he's an incredible human one of his meditations I did one time was a chanting meditation okay and so I start off and I'm doing this chat and I just went nap this is not for me. And I turned it off. Okay. And then a couple mm -hmm. of weeks later, even maybe a couple of months later, I decided I would pick it up again. So I was doing this chanting. No one was home. I felt, you know, sort of comfortable to just sort of do that. And I was really shocked by the sounds that were coming out of me. And I guess I was just, yeah, I was getting out of my own way. I was just allowing myself to just be and to, to let this out. Is that kind of, in a way, like a good way of starting to connect yeah, to light 100%. language or are there 100%. ways? In, okay. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's that, did you feel joy? I felt lightness for sure. Yeah. yeah. I felt like this, I, I was so blown away by um, how uncomfortable I was initially. And then the ease at which it came later. Cause I think it was like 20 minutes mm -hmm. I had to do this for and it did, it felt as though there was this freedom. And I guess that comes down to what you're yes. talking about earlier with the body wisdom, where our bodies are storing all this stuff. And so maybe by doing the, the channeling or the chanting or allowing yourself to make these sounds, starting with gibberish, like you were saying, it's that opportunity to release that emotion in a way that's not really uh, uncomfortable or too, too much in yes. your face. Like I would think that a lot of people don't want to face that stuff because it's difficult, but maybe doing it in a way like that is yep. more subtle with the same effect. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's just allowing energy to move through because energy has got to keep moving. Energy yeah. must keep moving. Otherwise that, that block suppressed feeling is that it causes density, like rock density. And so, you know, allowing sound is, is such a medicine. Movement, sound, emotion is such medicine to just continue to help the energy move yeah. around. And so, you know, with the chanting and light language, it is that it, it's, it's allowing energy to move through. And, and if we can remember how, you know, our, the, the most toxic, the most toxic part of this planet is our mind. Everything yes. else is pure. The only toxicity is actually in our mind, is, in, is minds, right? Take mind away. It's like, it's Lumeria. It's purity. Yeah. So if we're allowing, continuing to allow energy to go move through the purest parts of ourselves, that's actually such a blessing, like bringing that into the atmosphere. 
And that's why I love light language, even tongues, you know, I, there's a lot of translations of, of, of these languages or translations are what the poison are, but not the actual thing, right? You can't, there's no poison in sound. Sound is the most powerful form of nature. It is the only form that can actually create those cellular uh, transformations as well. And sound, it's all sound. So there, you, there's, you cannot get a wrong sound. You cannot get a, an evil sound. You cannot get sound that is, is bad. It's actually the translations. Right, right. Where you're trying to label it almost. <laughs> exposed, we're exposed to horror movies and you hear a sound that has someone growling. Yeah. In it. The growling is actually expression, right? But the growling in terms of the translation dependent on our belief system or what we've been exposed to, we then label it. Mm-hmm. So when we deliver light language, it's very important for us to to ensure that our participants at our events are actually, we've taken them through a process of of taking you into the alpha theta state. So it is like you've completely, you're relaxed in in your body because the medicine is actually for our bodies. That's fascinating. I'm actually going through a course in miracles right now and some of the the teachings are a lot about how we don't see things as they are now. We see them because of the past. And so that's right. We would hear a scary sound, let's say scary, quote unquote, scary. And it's based on an experience where we might've heard a similar sound before. And if that was paired with like a horror movie or something of of that nature, I do want to ask you about light language. When you were speaking earlier, you were saying that when you first sort of opened up to allowing this to come through you that it did sound like gibberish was there a time when it it shifted if you were to do light language for example would I know what you're talking about or do you know the meaning of what you're saying are you channeling messages or is it just healing sounds and vibrations for yourself or those around you it it depends. Uh, most times, I'm I'm mastering the art of translating the languages that come through, uh, because it's a matter of actually me tuning into the the energy, right. the energy. Um, so me tuning into the energy, and I have I can most times actually translate. And this is what I do: I translate. I get messages for for clients, for participants, and then it'll come through in light language, and then I translate it mm-hmm. what I feel for them. And so there was a time, most mostly at the beginning, I had no idea. I would just let it through, you know. And in fact, like one of the most profound moments was when I started to channel fairies. And it was, I never, I was like, I can't believe it. Like these fairies, a cluster of fairies came through. And I'm like embodied in this cluster of fairies. It was fascinating because I actually was tuning into abundance. Oh, wow. Tuned into the feeling of abundance. And then it was just. And then it was just like, and they just like, it just took over. And I could see them in my vision. And they were like these playful little fairies. And so, yeah. And it's just like, and then that actually changed so much for people. Like people would listen and be like, oh my God, what is, whoa. So I was like, wow, this is actually a thing you know? Wow. What you just did there though, that's exactly how I would imagine a fairy would sound. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'd never made those sounds before. Like it was the one time and afterwards my whole body, I couldn't even walk because that, that kind of energy that coursed through me and I let it course through me. Like I said, it was like a Reiki session for my body. My body had to upgrade hugely my body has upgraded so much since actually allowing light language through because that universal flow is just like going through all of me as I'm delivering it. And then it's activating in others. So as a light language practitioner, you could call it, is that what we're doing is actually mirroring for others uh, activations like that are available for them in that moment. So it could happen in someone's third eye. It could happen in their bowels. It could happen in their, it really depends on what they're open for, but I don't know what it's going to happen for anybody. All I know is that I just get to stay pure in the delivery and like really, really like honorable in it. And then whatever happens, happens. And so, and it's just such like, it's incredible the, what I've witnessed. 
Oh, wow. It's amazing. We are nearing the end of our time together. It, this happens to me. I always say it every time. I'm like, I don't know where the hour went, but I guess I was wondering if you had to give our listener at home any tips and tricks on connecting with their body or getting into meditation or, you know, stepping into their power, being in the present moment, what would be maybe a couple of the things that you, if you gave them anything that you'd like to leave them with, it would be this. Mm, definitely. So as for meditation, be kind to yourself, start in increments, five minutes, 10 minutes daily. It's when you connect with the actual feeling of it and just how it can actually feel it's it you will you won't not want to do it but you've just got to allow yourself to do it and as for taking your power back every time that you feel like you've stuffed up I want you to remember this I want you to say to yourself I'm only ever getting started I'm only just getting started every time I'm only just getting started and every time you remind yourself you're literally taking your power back beautiful is there anything I didn't ask you, Jax, that you wanted to elaborate on? I will say that it's pretty difficult to talk about everything that we did in an hour in the kind of depth that it's, <laughs> it's worthy of. I think we did a good mm -hmm. job, but is there anything that you felt that you wanted to speak on? And also, how can people get a hold of you? Please uh, use this time to, to, you know, the platform is yours. Totally. So uh, one thing that I'd love to let everybody know is that we do have in-person uh, experiences called Awaken, and these are mostly held in Brisbane, Gold Coast, uh, South East. We actually did go to Cairns in July, so <laughs> we do try. But if, you, if it's something that you're like, oh, I would love to know when they are, it's simply just head on over to my social media platforms, which is it, we have Instagram. And my handle is jacks underscore light language. If you go to TikTok, I do actually quite a lot of transmissions on their same name, jacks underscore light language. And they're probably the best places where you're going to find me. But if you're ever looking curious, want to know more, just head on over there because I really do try and add as much value as possible in those spaces as well. Perfect. And I'll put a link to all that as well in the show notes for our listener at home to just make it easy for you. Thank you so much, Jax, for being on the show. And I'd love to invite you back at any time if you want to come and do a, maybe a channeling example. That would be yeah, really cool. And I'd yeah, love that. So please do come back. Yeah, I'd love that. Mm -hmm, definitely. Thank you so much, sister. Hi. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.